This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am joined by Joe Callen. He is the CEO of Busy Beaver Building Centers in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Joe has been in the retail industry for over 20 years and purchased Busy Beaver in the fall of 2013. I think he brings a really unique perspective to the podcast today. I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you. So, Joe, tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what Busy Beaver does. Yes, I'm the CEO of Busy Beaver Building Centers, and Busy Beaver Building Centers is a uh, regional chain of 25 home improvement centers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia. And uh, we uh, uh, cover all the major departments in the home improvement industry. And um, appreciate you having us on board here today. Terrific. So, Joe, tell us a little bit more about your story because you've been in retail working with some franchise organizations for a long time that started in 2000. Why don't you take us through that journey a little bit? Yeah, so in 2000, I started uh, opening up franchises called Rita's Italian Ice, which is based in Philadelphia. And uh, my 2000 graduate of Slippery Rock University, go rock. Um, <laughs> and started opening those up in Pittsburgh area. And uh, after we opened our third location, uh, we started to acquire the real estate to uh, be a little more flexible on terms. And so uh, we sold the stores in 2006. And in 2006, I purchased another franchise called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And um, that franchise did very well. It was a very interesting franchise uh, that we turned around and sold um, in 2011. And then in 2011, uh, my brother and I uh, got into a franchise called Philly Pretzel Factory uh, that he still owns and operates today. And in 2013, uh, I acquired uh, the majority interest in Busy Beaver Building Centers, uh, which at the time had uh, 14 stores. Uh, Busy Beaver was founded in 1962 and at one time was the the dominant big box retailer. Uh, They had 50 stores back in the 80s. Um, However, with competition and no long-term strategic plan, uh, Busy Beaver kind of uh, deteriorated over the years and became the forgotten brand. And so uh, when I bought in 13, we started with 14 stores that were, uh, had 14 different looks and 14 different feels and 14 different operations. And uh, we worked very hard over the next few years to standardize those and uh, create a good brand. And uh, since then, we've opened 11 more stores. So I'm very proud of that uh, turnaround story. And uh, our expansion will continue into central Pennsylvania next year. So we're very excited for the opportunity and the uh, opportunities to come for Busy Beaver. Well, congratulations. You are the entrepreneurial spirit of America, Joe. You started a franchise, you bought another franchise, you became another franchisee, then you bought another company that you owned outright. This is what entrepreneurs, you know, aspire to do. Tell us about what got you interested in becoming a franchisee of not just readers, but of any organization, why was that something you thought was an interesting prospect for you? 
So at the time, it was uh, the low risk factor. Uh, so franchises that have you know hundreds of units, usually pretty proven, right? They uh, have a good track record and you know good creativity and have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, so for me, it was very low risk and uh, the investment was right. And uh, there was good opportunity in our markets. And um, so each time that uh, took that next step, those were the, the factors that I looked at in investing in a franchise. Got it. At the time, had you thought about opening your own brand and not franchising one? Or did you, were you pretty certain that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and this was a lower risk model to do that? If franchising was probably the role for me, I'm a very hard worker, but not very creative. So uh, I didn't want to have to create a brand uh, that's just not my wheelhouse, uh, but I know it could work hard and, and make it successful. So um, that's really what aligned me to uh, franchising at the time. Terrific. So what is Busy Beaver up to today? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, hope you have some time, but, <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, you know, again, Busy Beaver was really the forgotten brand, um, at the time I bought it in the Denver 13 and, um, you know, ad- absentee ownership, um, very little reinvestment into the organization, uh, very little employee development. And so, um, you know, started, uh, day one with, uh, just, um, analyzing the organization and figuring out what the priorities were and then uh, made a, a strategic plan that uh, allowed us to uh, remodel all 14 stores, um, you know, create a lot of, uh, we're up to about 550 now. So create a lot of jobs in the past seven years, which is very exciting. Uh, create a lot of career opportunities and have um, really reinvested a lot in these properties. Uh, we're fortunate enough that we've gone back and acquired a lot of the properties. So we own uh, 16 of our 25 locations. Um, so that's uh, made it a little bit easier um, on some rent abatement periods and some some terms that are a little more friendly for us to, to start up a new store uh, that ensured that those stores were successful. And, um, you know, really over the last seven years, we've gone and backfilled uh, markets that we either skipped over years ago or uh, never had a good opportunity uh, to open a store. And now that we've really backfilled all the markets that we're really interested in, our focus is now to expand outside of the Pittsburgh MSA. So we've got uh, stores in Ohio. Uh, we've got stores in West Virginia. And in 2022, we'll be making our way into central Pennsylvania with uh, four to five new store openings. So terrific. It is very exciting. I'm curious. How did the opportunity to acquire Busy Beaver come to you? Yeah, networking. Uh, so uh, there, I got to know their CFO um, on the golf course, <laughs> and um, uh, just over time, discussions about uh, the future of Busy Beaver and what the challenges were and what they're faced with. Um, it just was a really, really great opportunity. Thank God to do it. Kudos to you, networking. Hear that, everyone? Networking leads to a lot of opportunities. When you got there and you took over Busy Beaver. What were, were the initial initiatives after you dug into the numbers and you dug into the stores? What were the key priorities for you? Uh, there were really two um, key priorities that uh, took precedent. One was associate development. Um, we had 14 stores training associates 14 different ways. Um, and uh, there was very little alignment. Uh, so that was uh, number one. And number two was the merchandising. So we... Uh, it would be very common to walk into a busy beaver and 
find a pipe, but not have the 90 degree elbow. Um, so it, uh, you know, we didn't have the, uh, the, the merchandising, right. Uh, so we, um, aligned ourselves with true value. Uh, true value does a very good job with, um, planograms and programs. And, um, they helped us a lot in that, that area. Got it. Did you bring on a new buyer? I'm assuming you probably did or. So we, we've expanded that department. Uh, so we've had uh, the vice president of merchandising, um, Mike Slobotnik, has been with us for 26 years, I believe. Um, started in the stores uh, and worked his way up, uh, as most of our executive team has. And um, uh, he's uh, changed a lot in the past seven years in a very good way in terms of how he looks at assortments and how he buys product. Um, and that's actually changed a lot over the past year with the, the pandemic and and what we're seeing going on in the last year, year, year and a half. So um, it's constantly changing environment and, and we're, we're able to adapt. So, Fantastic. Have you all done anything from a digital perspective, given everything's going on? And how are you looking at the convergence of online and physical presence in retail? So before the pandemic, we had very little, we had no online presence. We basically had an informational website and that was it. Um, uh, we had planned uh, the third quarter of 2019 started, um, our transition in e-com. And so we actually had a little bit of a, a good start, uh, before the, the pandemic hit in March and really started to affect us. Uh, we were able to go live in July with our e-com platform. Uh, at that time, it was limited to, uh, ad items, uh, for buy online, pick up in store. And, um, we now have two thirds of our product online. Uh, anticipating that by the end of May, we'll be fully online with our e-com uh, platform. So we've made a lot of good progress. Um, those uh, continue to be a, a larger percentage of our sales each week. Uh, we're actually uh, uh, very amazed at uh, the comes the, uh, of customers into that uh, e-com field and, and how it's uh, progressed over the past year. So it's been very positive for Busy Beaver. That's great. Uh, what a good time to start was Q3 of 19. At least you were a little ahead of some retailers who weren't, who weren't there yet. You, you were on, you were on your way and already thinking about it. And I think that's important to be successful throughout 2020. That was an important piece of being successful to be ahead of that and at least thinking about it and, and not having it be the first thought in April of 2020. Yeah. The last question I'll, I'll say on busy beaver. You've, historically built businesses up and, and sold them. And I, I know it's private, but it sounds like you're still in growth mode. You, you went from 14 to 25 stores and you're continuing to expand in other markets, any sale or anything, uh, major transaction coming soon. No, this is it for me. Uh, there's a, um, the biggest difference between franchising and the independent is that there's there's no boundaries with the independent. So we have the opportunity to expand, um, uh, rework our model, uh, modify our model as it's needed, and uh, this is this is it for me. So I've got uh, five kids, ages 13 and under. So hopefully they'll, you know, at least some of them will make their way into the business, and it'll become a legacy for me and and our, and our family. So I'm very excited about it. That's incredible. To piggyback off that, how is competition? You know, it, it, obviously Home Depot and Lowe's and now Harbor Freight Tools and all the hardware folks, it's a competitive business. You obviously have a legacy brand. How, how is competition these days? 
So comp- competition's been interesting. You know, I guess anybody that really sells some of our products is technically a competitor, right? Except that uh, a lot of retailers has gotten in everybody else's space. So, um, you know, you have gas stations selling mulch. Um, you've got uh, grocery stores selling plants. So, you know, I guess there's there's a lot of competition. What, what we really um, sp- focus on is, uh, number one, we really focus on county seat secondary markets. Uh, you know, we're not in the major metros, um, uh, Maine and Maine. It's just not our game. Um, so, um, you know, our locations are more in B markets or county seat type markets. Uh, we pride ourselves on customer service. So, uh, you know, we're going to greet you at the door and, and find you. You don't have to come find us. Uh, when you're looking for service in our stores and you'll find our associates are very well trained. Uh, we invest a lot in our training programs. Um, so uh, there's very, very few questions that we won't be able to answer in terms of solving problems for the consumer. Um, we also try to adapt our merchandising to the market. So we realize that uh, not every market's the same, even if they have similar demographics. And so we try to carry products that may be uh, special to that market uh, or local vendors that we uh, uh, purchase from that market to sell the products. So, you know, for Busy Beaver, um, we're focused on Busy Beaver. There's a lot of competition out there. The store's opening every day, uh, but we we focus on what we do best and we, we continue to execute very, very well. And for context, how big is the average Busy Beaver in square footage? So if you if you would have asked that question in 2013, the answer would have been about 30,000 square feet with an outdoor lumber yard. Today, we're opening stores around 55 or 60,000 square feet with an outdoor lumber or seasonal yard. Wow. So all the headline news about retailers getting smaller is not true for Busy Beaver. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question, Chris. And this is one of the reasons I really appreciate you being an advocate for uh, retailers is you know, the regional uh, retailers are expanding. We just don't get the headlines. Um, so, um, you know, we're the ones buying up the old Kmarts and taking their space. Uh, we're the ones redeveloping those properties. There's a lot of really, really, really strong regional retailers out there uh, absorbing all this uh, dead space. Uh, we just normally don't get the headlines. But for us, uh, our goal next year will be to open four or five new locations, uh, which, you know, if we assume uh, you know, 50,000 square feet will absorb, you know, quarter million square feet next year of space. Uh, we don't build ground up. So we're always finding second or third generation space. And so um, there's a lot of us out there doing very, very well. And, and uh, those headlines are not representative of the regional retailers. Woo! Kudos to you, Joe. I agree. Let's get that message out there. Great. That's great to hear. Let's talk a little bit more about Joe for a second. I've got three questions for you. We call this clear the air. Are you ready? I am. Question one. When's the last time you did something for the first time, Joe? Um, something for the first time. So uh, about a few weeks ago, um, I downloaded an app uh, to start to learn the language Hindi. So some of my children have some friends from India, and I'd like to be able to communicate with their parents better. So uh, that is uh, very fresh uh, and um I think once I get under a certain threshold of emails per day coming into my inbox, I'll be able to really pay a lot more attention to it. So <laughs> that is a unique one. That's great. And, and maybe that plays into the next one, which is question two. What is one skill you don't possess, but you wish you did? Uh, besides language, I would say that um, creativity. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, I couldn't sit down and draw something real well. Um, I couldn't sit down and, uh, you know, 
know, make our logo into something better. So I, I lack creativity uh, on the artistic side. I wish I was a little stronger there. I hear you. I am not artistic. That's for sure. Last question. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Uh, celebrity endorsements. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Just curious, has that come your way with Busy Beaver? Some local Pittsburgh celebrity, something like that? Yeah, we've had some good opportunities that we have not capitalized on um, up until recently. Uh, speaking on podcasts is not something I would have gone out and done traditionally. Uh, my team has encouraged this. And so um, I try to, to listen and, and do what is right for, for Busy Beaver and the brand. Uh, so, um, uh, we've traditionally been very quiet, uh, flown to the radar. Um, so we've, we've avoided some opportunities that we may have had in the past that we might, uh, take a look at again. You have to be open to new ideas. So kudos to you. I want to go back to, uh, that was great. I want to go back to busy beaver. There's one thing in my notes that I didn't ask. Everyone's talking about supply chain issues and you're hearing this from major retailers. How has that impacted the regional retailer like yourself and how are you navigating those waters? So we're, we're really no different than the boxes. Um, you know, the supply chain um, supplies the industry. And so we've, uh, we literally fight for our inventory. Uh, we're out there every day uh, making calls, trying to establish new relationships. Uh, we um, cut POs for seasonal back in October uh, for 40% more than, than last year. Uh, so we tried to uh, get ahead of that buying. Uh, we're landing product earlier than we ever have. Uh, so um, we'll be landing our winter goods in July this year, um, which is crazy um, to make sure that we have our goods and can react uh, if we, you know, orders are canceled or something happens with those orders. Um, so we're, we're fighting for our inventory every day. We've got a great merchandising team that fights hard every day. And uh, we continue to do that on behalf of our consumers and our customers. And uh, we've, we've had a lot of success. So you obviously have a DC where, where, where you have a distribution center. We do. It's located at our office in Pittsburgh. And so in July, that DC is going to have snow shovels. Yeah. And no shovels, wood pallets, um, heaters. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we're, our stores are overflowing with goods. Uh, we're sitting on, uh, you know, uh, many millions of dollars or more of inventory today than we, we did a year ago. Uh, so the stores are stuff packed, the DC stuff packed, uh, everybody's overflowing with inventory to make sure that we have it to, uh, to serve our consumer. That is, that is so interesting because one of the things I keep hearing in headline news was retailers learn their lesson on inventory control and making sure they don't get caught with goods that they can't sell so they don't have to mark them down. And as a real estate owner, sometimes it's concerning when you walk into a retailer and you're not seeing the shelves filled. And right now there's definitely retailers where the shelves are not full and you're thinking, what's going on here? One of the things we keep hearing is the positives to that are scarcity creates margin and you don't have to mark down product. How are you thinking about this inventory management? You have a lot of inventory, more than most of your peers right now, it sounds like. Yes, that's a great question, Chris. So there, that's um, 
Yeah, I had to look at it as a, as a, as a pie and there's a lot of pieces, right? So uh, the, the, the one of those pieces, number one, are that we're, we're sitting on um, many more months of inventory than we had in the past. So if we looked at a three or four month uh, inventory uh, burn off in the past, you know, we're looking at nine to 12 months now. So, you know, we're making buys on inventory for winter goods as we speak, because uh, we just don't want to uh, take the chance of not having that inventory. Uh, the second piece of that is, I don't think we've changed uh, really our cadence on markdowns and slow moving inventory. So slow moving inventory is still slow moving today uh, with transactions and demand up as high as it is. It's probably still slow moving you know, in six months from now. Um, so we really haven't changed that cadence. Uh, we still wanna move through some slow moving inventory that we have and uh, make room. Uh, the third piece of that is, we certainly have some outs, right? I mean, um, you know, a, a great example of that is is our spray paint um, uh, vendor. Uh, there's scarcity on the cans right now to manufacture them, so they just the demand is so far up uh, right now on the, the um, um, can't keep up with that demand. So uh, we're constantly trying to find uh, larger buys on items that we are seeing scarcity on, and we're going to stock it and, and very deep. Uh, the fourth piece of that pie is um, Busy Beaver is fortunate that we have a very strong balance sheet. So we have the ability to execute on buys uh, very quickly. Um, so anything up to a, a million dollar purchase, our, our vice president can sign off himself. Uh, anything over that needs my signature and, and we don't sit on deals very long. So uh, we react very quickly to opportunities and having a very strong balance sheet allows us to do that. So we're not afraid to buy early and, and sit on that inventory if we have to. That is a great point. Yesterday on LinkedIn, the CEO of Saxoff Fifth said the number one thing to thrive today, and that's an off-price retailer for her, was being liquid because you have to be able, as consumer trends are changing, you have to be able to make the opportunistic buy. If you can't buy the product, you're toast. And I thought that was really interesting. And you're highlighting the same thing here, which is you have to be able to make a deal and get the product in the store. Yeah. And, and to us, there's nothing that our vendors, especially our closeout vendors, like better than an answer very quickly and payment very quickly. So you're, you're, you're tops on their list if you can execute on those two things. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, fantastic. Well, the last piece of this. What can we expect from Busy Beaver going forward? What should the consumer, what should uh, people in the real estate or people in the retail industry, what should we expect from Busy Beaver? So Busy Beaver over the next three years will open four to five stores per year. So we anticipate growing from 25 stores to 40 stores in the next three years. Uh, we anticipate keeping a very, very tight culture. Um, so our associates truly are not numbers to us. Uh, we pride ourselves in knowing our associates and our associates very well. Uh, so that culture is so key right now. Um, it's always been key, but it's more important right now as uh, hiring challenges uh, exist all over in retail. Um, we'll continue to uh, execute very well on the merchandising side to make sure we have the, the right product for the right time for the right consumer. So uh, we will, we will uh, spend a lot of time and a lot of uh, dollars on, on inventory. Um, we also have a significant initiative behind training. So we have training on the education uh, associates in our stores every day. 
um, with many consumers um, taking dollars that were traditionally spent in entertainment and travel and moving them into the home improvement industry, uh, there's a lot of new DIYers out there. So uh, they need assistance and problem solving and how to do projects. And uh, we want Busy Beaver to be the, the first store that comes to mind when they need help solving those, those issues. Um, so that's what you can expect from Busy Beaver over the next three years. What a great point on the first time DIYers. I hadn't thought of that. What an excellent point. I am one of them. So, and there's nothing that feels better walking into a store and leaving with the product than knowing what I'm doing when I leave, because it's rarely the case. So yeah, that's a, that's a great point. We agree. You did. I was going to move off of this, but you did mention something that I am hearing a lot of, which is hiring and the challenges with hiring and all the government assistance is making it more challenging. How have you broken through there? That's a great question, Chris. So um, you had noted earlier about the networking. That's never been more important than, than at, at this time. Um, so um, we have used our, our network of associates and managers uh, to really uh, have a grassroots recruiting effort, um, you know, a friend of a friend type of thing. And um, um, uh, we've got a lot of great contacts. We started the year with 63 openings at Busy Beaver, and that's not even including our seasonal hires. That's probably scary for you. It, it is. It, it truly is. Uh, but we're actually down to about 10 now. And our seasonal hiring has been very, very effective. Um, so um, uh, this this grassroots effort has been very successful over the last three to four months. Uh, we found a lot of success there. Uh, we recruited from um, uh, many areas, not only in the in the markets that we serve, but even outside those markets for people looking to relocate. Uh, we're getting to them before they're putting the resumes out for relocations. Um, so we've had a lot of success in, in grassroots uh, recruiting. Amazing. That is a, a great story, the grassroots recruiting, and it's working. Going from 63 to 10 is not easy. I know from the hiring front, so it is not easy. So kudos to you. Our team gets all that credit. So they, they've done an amazing job uh, to make that happen. So. Good stuff. All right. I want to move to the next part, which is story. So Joe, you have a story about a busy beaver that opened and where are we going? What town? So they were a very good story in uh, Calcutta, Ohio. Uh, okay. So the market that busy beaver was in 40 years ago and did quite well. Um, but that store closed um, maybe even before I was born. And um, we, we liked that market a lot. So the issue was, is there was no uh, boxes that were available and uh, we weren't going to build ground up. So uh, the Kmart in that market was for sale. It was an operating Kmart. And uh, we made the decision to buy the Kmart um, in hopes that the trend of Kmart with store closures would eventually come full circle to, to Calcutta and we could open a store. Well, about a year after we bought it, we, we got the notice that this was a store that was closing. And so, um, uh, the store closed and, uh, we, we started construction the next day and, uh, and opened that store uh, a few months later. Uh, it is now our number one store. Um, the, the numbers in that market are incredible. We're very excited about that market. We love the Calcutta market and, uh, the store manager, uh, at that location, uh, Scott, 
actually grew up not too far from there and worked at that Kmart as a kid. Oh my God. Uh, so he's, he's now managing uh, the highest volume store in our company. And um, it's just a, a lot of good stories about, about Calcutta market. So. Wow. That is a great story. Yeah, it's also a market that um, was the first one that my twin boys came to the grand opening with me and uh, got to, you know, cut the board and, and hang out with dad for the day. So it was a very, very proud moment for me as well. So we have to unpack this. This is a great story. So first off, was the Kmart for sale? The Kmart was the, the investor that owned it was selling the Kmart. Okay. So that's the first. So he was selling the Kmart. So you decided this is serious forward thinking because I'm assuming Kmart had options. They did. Actually, uh, believe it or not, Chris, they had, uh, my memory is correct, six five-year options left. So they had 30 years of lease control. Your goal was to make sure that you could put a busy beaver in that box sooner rather than later. You bought the building. So now you're a Kmart landlord. Right. Kmart's paying you rent. That's fine. But you really bought the building because you want to put a busy beaver in. And the reality is the that you could end up waiting 30 years before you actually got a busy beaver. Well, collecting the same rent that was executed in 1981. <laughs> collecting the same rent that was executed in 1981. And you bought that. And I think that to me is the epitome of the entrepreneurial spirit. Because there's risk in that, that, you know, for some public companies and some other retailers that they wouldn't take, right? You knew that was the location for you. There was no other boxes and you took the risk, which you calculated as a lower risk because you assumed that eventually Kmart's going to close their store. However, you can't be certain because they have 30 years of lease control and they could assign that lease. That's correct. They could have subleased it signed it out and uh, we would have uh, still been stuck collecting rent from that was uh, never increased from 1981. So <laughs> a lot of, a lot of risk there, but we were, we were um, you know, prepared to take that risk and, and hopeful that uh, the trend would continue with uh, their model. Uh, and unfortunately it did, it worked out very well. And when they decided to close, was that on a natural lease expiration or did you end up having the recapture? It was on the last uh, round of bankruptcy that they closed a few hundred stores. We were on the list. You were on the list. And so, again, that that lease could have gotten bought in a in a bankruptcy court. Did you go to the bankruptcy court? No, actually, uh, we got a call from the, uh, the liquidator about the, the lease saying that they're going to be marketing these leases. And do we want to bid? And we said no. Um, and uh, we were going to take our chances with uh, somebody bidding on a lease in Calcutta, Ohio. And uh, fortunately uh, there were no bidders. So uh, we, we got the space back and started construction the next day. Unbelievable. But there had to be a little bit of pause where, did you come back and talk to your team and say, we might want to bid on this lease? Cause the liquidator call says we're going to market this man. That would have disrupted your whole business plan. If Ollie's or someone else came in to, to buy that. Yep. So that's, that's a great question. So uh, we did have those internal conversations and, and they were actually pretty quick. Uh, it was consensus among the team that uh, we, we were not going to bid on the lease. Uh, it was consensus that there was very low risk uh, that um, a developer would come in, buy the lease and, and try to uh, break up the space 
um, even though there was 30 years of term there. So uh, we we took a, a bit of a calculated risk and, and fortunately it paid off. Kudos to you. That's that's great. Now, you mentioned previously that your store of tomorrow, the future Busy Beavers, 55, 60,000 feet. I don't know Calcutta, Ohio, but I'm assuming this Kmart is larger than that. It is. There's a 30,000 extra square feet and we have an LOI out um, on that space. Um, We we weren't sure exactly what we're going to do with that extra space at first. Uh, So Calcutta is a really, really great market. And uh, we actually wound up taking about another 10,000 square feet. So we have 68,000 square feet in that market uh, to expand assortments um, as they become available. So, um, you know, farm and ranch and pet is a great example. Uh, We do really, really amazing sales in that market and we have a a smaller assortment. So we're going to be expanding those assortments there. And obviously that requires more space. So we didn't want to sublease that space until we were certain that we had uh, the space we needed for that for that market. Um, so once we uh, made that decision, which was really the end of last year, uh, we started to market that additional space. And uh, we actually already have an LOI album. It's going to lease uh, hopefully the next week or so. Got it. So and how, how much space is left over for that new tenant? Uh, 30,000 square feet. They're going to be taking all 30. That is exceptional so you'll be a landlord do you have other tenants in your portfolio other than this one yep so we have um um, 20 total properties across three states and you know some of them have uh busy beavers some of them don't the majority do uh we like uh we like the opportunity of buying centers that either have a vacant box um and relocating or opening a new store and um uh, we have a relocation happening right now uh, Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania. We bought the shopping center right next to us, the 200,000 square feet, but had a 56,000 square foot vacant grocery store. So we're literally locating our uh, old store that's 30 years old right next door and a brand new store. And we, we own the center as well. So uh, we, we like that model. We like controlling our, our future and um, uh, we like bringing a lot more footsteps and traffic into the centers that'll help other, other tenants. When you build out a store, is the product coming from Busy Beaver? Of course. <laughs> That's great. Does that store get the credit for it? It sure does. Oh, that is great. That is great. We take care of our manager, so. That is great. And one of the things I'm curious about is, let's say that landlord in Calcutta decided the investor wasn't going to sell. It was such a below market rent, 1981, and they let Kmart go and it became available, uh, And but they were only willing to lease. Would you have leased the space? No. So the, the, the uh, interesting thing about us is um, we're both real estate investors and we're uh, retail operators. So those are two great hats to have especially when your portfolio really aligns with the demographic of where you're looking for busy beaver. And so uh, we, we almost exclusively uh, purchase our properties instead of leasing. If it's the right market, we certainly will lease, uh, but we prefer to buy our properties. It allows us to not only amortize those costs over a little bit of a longer period to keep the rent low and, and make sure that the, the operations are very successful, but allows us to change things if we need to without having to go through a lot of red tape. 
So if we want to modify a garden center or take out fencing, we don't have to ask anybody's permission to do so. Um, so it allows us to react very quickly to the market uh, and make changes that are necessary to be successful and stay in the forefront. So, so that's very important to Busy Beaver. So in a new market where there's not an opportunity to buy, but you really want to store, you would lease. You have some leases today where you do lease, correct? We do. Were any of those stores that you did deals on? Yes. Yes. And those were scenarios. Those were scenarios where you wanted to be in the market and they're just, you, you weren't waiting around for the opportunity to buy. Correct. Got it. Well, a fascinating story. It is the number one store in the chain, which is astounding that it turned out to be that way. By the way, speaking of sales, sales have gone up since the pandemic started for you. How, what type of increases are you guys seeing? So on a same store sales perspective, we were pre pandemic, we were used to seeing, you know, six, 7% a year sales growth, uh, same store basis. Um, the uh, pandemic has, has uh, driven sales beyond anything we've ever seen. Uh, so we're, we're seeing 30% comps uh, last year and we're seeing again, 30% uh, comps this year. Uh, so the, uh, wow. the uh, consumer purchases that historically have been into entertainment and travel uh, have made their way into under other industries. And we're one of the beneficiaries of, of, of those, that transition of consumer habits and spending. So right now your average store volume has completely changed. That's correct. Wow. Even our legacy stores, even our stores that are, you know, were built back in the seventies. I mean, we, you know, we were founded in 1962 and we still have stores in the portfolio that were built in the seventies. And, you know, those are very mature markets. Uh, we're seeing tremendous growth out of those markets as well that we uh, just didn't anticipate. So, I think the question that a lot of retailers are facing, and it's 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 different for you, is how do you maintain that market share? Yeah. That's a great question, Chris. It's a, it's a question we challenge ourselves with every day, and so uh, you know we go back to number one, uh, customer service, which is uh, amazing training training programs for our associates, uh, so that they can service our customers. Uh, two is to make sure we have the product. Um, so. As you mentioned, competition, it's very easy for somebody to walk out empty handed and you know, go to another store a couple miles away. So we want to make sure that we have the product. Uh, so we we really pride ourselves in uh, you know, customer service and merchandising efforts. Uh, those are the two key factors right now. Are you so 30 percent comps? I'm just mind blown. Are are you seeing average basket size grow? We are. There's a couple reasons for that, though. So again, if you go back to the pie, there are several pieces of why that happens. The first is um, inflation in lumber right now and building materials is crazy. Uh, a two by four by eight that we were selling last year for two ninety nine is six ninety nine this year, um, and there's just no uh, end in sight uh, for that that coming down. So, so product um, the retails have have increased. Uh, two is inflation. Um, just the natural course of inflation has been a little stronger over the past year. Uh, than in past. And um, uh, three is the uh, demand. So when a new DIYer comes into our store, uh, they're typically buying for the project. They're not just buying the paint, they're buying the paintbrush, the tarp, the rollers, 
Uh, they're buying a lot more as a first-time DIYer uh, than somebody that's been a DIYer for years and already has those those uh, supplies. Oh, that's an interesting one I hadn't thought about. That is an interesting one. Okay. Well, Joe, this has been fascinating. Anything else about Busy Beaver we should know? What a great story. The whole thing, fantastic. Um, probably the two things I would want to continue to reiterate is um, – is our culture. Um, again, we're looking for associates every day as we grow. Um, we have a, an amazing culture, a very close knit culture. And uh, for, for um, prospective employees, that's, um, uh, I think, extremely important. Um, so uh, that's number one. And number two is um, landlords uh, love the, the, the national tenants and they love that strong credit. Uh, but there's a lot of regionals that have very strong credit, very strong balance sheets that are expanding. And we, we uh, want to be thought of uh, amongst landlords as potential tenants or uh, in centers that they're developing um, as well as the national. So that is perfect. What a way to end. But before we close out, the last part of the show is called Retail Wisdom. I got three questions for you. Are you ready, Joe? I am. All right. Question one. What's the last item you purchased in a store over $20? Uh, mountain bike, a uh, mountain bike at uh, Dirty Harry's in Verona, Pennsylvania. There you go. Local retailer, Dirty Harry's. Question two, what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Toys R Us. Understood. And the last question, we'll, we'll make this close to home, Joe. Normally I, I say something different, but I'm going to change it up on the fly. Joe, if you and I were shopping at Busy Beaver, and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? You may not find me in aisle. So I, sometimes for me, I'm more uh, focused on the merchandising than maybe necessarily the product. So I'm a, I'm a roamer. I like to look at the signage, the merchandising, new pogs, what retailers are doing. Um, so you probably wouldn't find me in one section. You'd, you'd find me wherever there was new merchandising and planograms being set. So Perfect. All right. Said like a true merchant. <laughs> Well, Joe, this was fantastic. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you again being a voice for the uh, regional retailers because we, again, we don't get the headlines that we probably should, but uh, we really appreciate you being a voice out there for us. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.